Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Read More Podcast, the show that brings readers and writers together. I'm Marva Hinton. Today, I'm meeting virtually with award-winning author Patricia Engel. Her novel, Infinite Country, was published in March. Patricia, Infinite Country is such a beautiful book, and it really gives you an idea of what it's like to leave your home country for what you hope will be a better life in the U.S. Thank you so much for coming on to talk about your work. Thank you, Marva. I'm so happy to join you again. It's been a while. It has. We were just talking about it. It was actually back in 2016. Mm-hmm. You were on to talk about The Veins of the Ocean, yeah. another wonderful book. If anyone has not read that, they should definitely correct that right away. Infinite Country is your fourth novel. Mm-hmm. It tells the story of a mixed immigration status family with roots in Colombia. Talia, a teenage girl who's being held in a correctional facility for committing what she sees as a justified act of violence, escapes in an effort to make it to Bogota, where her dad and a ticket to the U.S. is waiting for her. During her journey, we see her parents' story and learn how they made it to the U.S. and eventually ended up in two different countries. Her mom in the U.S. with two of the couple's children and Talia in Colombia with her dad and her grandmother. This novel explores so many of the big issues of life, such as what it means to belong and what is home, but it's told amidst the backdrop of this daring escape and a race against time, which really just left me on the edge of my seat as I was reading. Why did you choose to frame the story this way? Well, everybody loves a page turner, right? <laughs> so yes. um, you mentioned The Veins of the Ocean. And as you know, The Veins of the Ocean is a much longer book. It's about 400 pages. And there's a lot more space for um, reflection, rumination, contemplation, and, and going deeper into certain spaces and scenes and backstories and things like that. Uh, with Infinite Country, I wanted it to be a different kind of book. I wanted it to feel um, urgent where there's no extra word, where really there's not that space to drift away into into um, reflection because you're being held in the present so intensely the same way that if you sat down with somebody and they shared with you an urgent and important story of theirs, you would just sit there and listen. So I wanted Infinite Country to have that feeling to replicate reality um, in some way that kind of experience, the intimate urgency where every word feels essential, um, not ornamental, um, not like filler at all. Not to say that other books do that, but I, I wanted it to have almost the, the pacing of a, of a thriller while still having um, a sense of intimacy, of um, romance, and still feeling epic in scope. Through this book, we see just how vulnerable undocumented immigrants are in this country and how this existence is so full of fear and indignities, both big and small. Does all that pain and trauma surrounding this story make it harder for you to tell as a writer? Um, yes and no. I, I think that when you start assigning things like something is painful or something like that, you really take away from the truth of it, which is that um, so many things in life that are um, um 
truthful experiences contain both pain and good things. And that's where really um, the human experience is, is defined and where we get to know ourselves as people. Um, some people want to turn away from things that are difficult or challenging to read. And I think that in turning away, sometimes you're, um, you're, you're depriving um, a, a human or a community of having real and valid experiences. Um, you're, you're taking that away from them the same way that if somebody sat down with you and wanted to share a difficult or painful story of, your, of their lives and you said, listen, I don't want to hear it, you know, just close your mouth. I don't want to hear this. It's hard. It's painful. I don't, I don't like listening to this, you know? Um, and what are you doing there? You're depriving that person of, of, of an expression of their own humanity. So um, I try not to shy away from those moments the same way that I try to learn about them in my own life when I'm facing difficulty. And I think as a writer, we need to do that in our own fiction. We need to allow our characters to have the full spectrum of the human experience which um, is not always picture perfect and is often complicated and unsettled and leaves a lot of unanswered questions. Your focus on a mixed status family really highlights the particular challenges that these families face. Why did you want to focus on a family like that in this story? Well, the family in Infinite Country is so typical. I did not have to go far to invent them. I know many, many, many families like this in one way or another um, whose lives are defined and challenged by intricacies of immigration laws and uh, deadlines and paperwork that means something one day and means something else the next day and how they navigate that and how it can create um, infinite distances and separations and so much uncertainty and, and how they live with that year after year, decade after decade sometimes. So it's, you know, these are stories that are uh, very common in, in, uh, in my world. And somehow I have not seen this reflected much in literature. And so my whole, you know, larger mission as a writer is to populate bookshelves with stories that reflect the world as I know it. Uh, I, as a young reader, I love to read, and there were a lot of books that I, I loved and connected to in different ways, but still I never saw anything that reflected my reality uh, in, in any way, you know, that was felt authentic. So that's what I've been trying to do with each book. Uh, all my books deal with immigration and diaspora in one way or another, and they take, you know, different, explore different terrain and and um, different facets of, of that life uh, across the generations. Within Minute Country, I wanted to tell the story of one family in the active process of immigrating. You know, every American family, except indigenous, has um, immigration, whether by choice or by force, somewhere in their family um, history, right? But those of us who have it very present, you know, uh, through our parents or grandparents or even in our generation, um, living in the process is very different than, you know, if it were, happened generations or even centuries ago when, you know, you don't feel an active connection to it. So I want to show what that active process is like for a family who has this collective experience, yet these five family members are all having also very private experiences. And there are things they don't even share with one another as close as they may be. So that was, that was really um, another you know, structural decision that I had to make was how can I tell a story that speaks to the collective experience of a family in the process of emigrating, yet still contains all the intimacy and secrecy and privacy and things left unsaid that exist within a family. 
There are characters in this book who point out several problems in the U.S., particularly the gun violence in this country. This is mentioned more than once by characters as a way to say, are you sure that's where you want to be in such a violent country where citizens take up arms against one another for seemingly no reason? At one point, Talia's mom, Elena, says she could no longer claim the U.S. was better than Colombia. Why did you want to point out this aspect of U.S. culture? Well, it's the truth, <laughs> you know. Uh, I, and uh, sometimes people think that in pointing out the truth, you're somehow being critical or or um, looking on something with disdain. And um, I, I don't think that that takes away from any of the great things the United States has to offer. It's like, you know, when you love your own family members or your own hometown, you know, you take the good with the bad, right? You know, and you make your choices, but you don't pretend things are not real, you know, that, that they don't exist. And so I've, I've traveled, I don't know, to something like 50 countries. And um, over the years and even more recent years in my travels, it's always struck me how people speak of the United States abroad. You know, the United States um, is great at believing its own hype. And um, like that, this idea that everyone in the world is just like banging down the doors to get here and wants to be here. And, you know, yeah, there's a lot that this country has to offer. And, and that might be true in a sense, in a limited sense. But there are a great many people who have no desire to come here whatsoever because it seems like a very scary place. You know, a, a place where you anybody could killed, be killed at any moment doing any innocent activity by um, a person, just a regular person who is somehow armed more than, you know, the average, um, you know, guerrilla soldier. So um, that's something that I've, I've, I've heard over the years, particularly when I was doing research for the veins of the ocean. And... Um, and so I, you know, that's, that's just true. That's just, it's, it's not a, it's not an agenda and it's not, you know, um, it's not artificial rhetoric at all. That, those are very real feelings that a lot of people have. It's amazing what you get used to as the more it happens. Mm -hmm. Kind of sad. Sure. You write such beautiful sentences throughout this novel. Um, in particular, I love the way Talia's dad, Mauro, mm -hmm. <laughs> describes what it's like to leave your home country. And I'd love to just read a little bit about this and a little bit from this and talk to you about it. Sure. Second here. This is when he is, his daughter, Talia, is preparing to go to the U.S. and he's thinking about what she thinks about this and what he thinks about it. And so he says, he's, he's talking about what she doesn't know about leaving her country. After the enchantment of life in a new country dwindles, a particular pain awaits. Immigration was a peeling away of the skin and undoing. You wake each morning and forget where you are, who you are. And when the world outside shows you your reflection, it's ugly and distorted. You've become a scorned, unwanted creature. He goes on to say that leaving is a kind of death. You may find yourself with much less than you had before. And this kind of goes along with what you were saying at the, the hype that the U.S. tells about itself, that everybody wants to come here. 
this is the promised land, greatest country on earth. Why was it so important for you in writing this to show the depth of feeling he has about what is lost when you leave home? Yeah, well, similarly, um, a lot of people have this idea that when a person immigrates, it's really just a matter of geography. You're, you, you're from one place and you come to another and that's it, right? Um, you're happy to be here and life goes on. Uh, in my experience, what have I observed and the people close to me who've, who've immigrated, um, it's much more nuanced, much more complicated and much more full of mixed feelings. Wondering if you made the right choice full of doubt, homesickness, profound longing for everything that you left behind, everything that was familiar, um, uncertainty and instability in a new place. And as time goes by, always wondering if you should go back, if you should go back, if it was all worth it, if what was lost is worse or worth what was gained. And it's a constant evaluation. And sometimes a person never arrives at any conclusion. A whole life can pass in that way. So also in writing about Infinite Country, I wanted to write about that. You know, it's, it's not, I, 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 there's novels about immigration, um, but I, I, I hadn't read any that really spoke to the interior experience of immigrating. A lot of people just focus on the stuff that happens, right? Like what's just going on as a person's making their new life in the new country, but not really what they're struggling with on the inside. And the profound loss. And um, Marva, you're in Miami, right? Yes, I am. So um, I moved to Miami about 17 years ago. And when I moved here, um, something that I saw, and I moved here from New York, um, that made an impression on me um, was that it was the first time I saw support groups for loss of homeland. And I had never seen that before. But it really um, moved me because just to see it acknowledged like that, the way the loss of a homeland is like a death. It's like something that you never really get over. And to have that space to really um, deal with that in the way that it should be dealt with as something respectful and enormous, a huge loss, um, I think is something that's important. And it's not something that people consider as much as they should. You include a lot of indigenous culture in this novel. We hear creation stories and legends from the time before the conquistadors arrived. Why was it so important for you to show this aspect of the family's background? Immigration, like I said, is, is not just about geography moving, relocating, right? Um, so much of who we are is part of the ground, the soil, everything that made us, everything that came before us. It's not just about the places uh, we lived or the addresses or stuff like that of course that's all part of it but there are, are much deeper connections to to the, the lands that um our ancestors populated um and the stories that came along with that the and the the um, traditional stories that um ancestral history for the explanation of creation how humankind came to be our relationship with other species um, what happens to us after we're gone? All those things are important stories, and every culture has their own. Um, but that's also, in the case of Infinite Country, very tied to the land um, surrounding Bogota, which was the territory of the ancient civilization of the Muisca, which were one of the four advanced civilizations of the Americas. So that land is so intimately connected to that ancient history. And because the characters in Infinite Country and Nana and Mauro are of that land, that history has even more resonance.
happens in their lives. Although this is a fictional story, your parents were born in Colombia. Did that make it or did that cause you to feel additional pressure to get the story right? And did it make it harder for you to write? Um, I feel pressure for everything that I write and all my books um, feature Colombians in one way or another. Um, so it's, it's not so much about my parents, it's just about all people. Uh, the veins of the ocean was um, largely set in Cuba and one of the protagonists was Cuban and I'm not Cuban and I, I made countless research trips to Cuba um, in order to get those details right because my priority is honoring the truthful experience of the people who know those places and those communities and those experiences that I was writing about. So no matter what I'm writing about, I take it extremely seriously with my research and with respect and, and getting details um, right um, that my parents could read my work and enjoy it and feel that I got details right, of course, is, you know, uh, means all much more, especially because Infinite Country is set in Bogota in part, and that's my mother's hometown. That actually brings me to my next point. I was going to ask you about the extensive research you do before you write. Mm -hmm. uh, which areas required the most research this time to make sure you got this story just right? Oh, um, there are many prongs to research for any book. And for infinite countries, some of those prongs were uh, immigration law, you know, the details of immigration law at different times in history. Infinite country is set over 20 or so years, beginning in the late 1990s until about 2018. So laws changed a lot during that time, specifically with regard to um, Colombians immigrating to the United States. Um, also getting historical events right and the impact that they had. Um, and, um, um, yeah, matters of geography and all sorts of little details, things you would never expect. Well, now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions about the authors you like and the things that you enjoy to read. Due to the pandemic, many of us are now accustomed to online meetings like we're having right now. If you could hop on a Zoom with three other writers, living or dead, who would you choose and why? Um, well, that's a great question. I'd probably go for all dead ones. <laughs> um, it would probably be Toni Morrison, James Baldwin, and Gabriel Garcia Marquez. And why that group? Well, those, you know, were all heroes of mine as I was coming up as a as a young reader and aspiring writer. Um, I did see Toni Morrison once in an airport, <laughs> but I didn't get to talk to her. And um, so they're all writers I would have just, you know, been overjoyed to meet and speak with. What are you reading right now? I'm reading a fantastic nonfiction book by Daisy Hernandez called The Kissing Bug, and it's about Chagas disease. Are you already working on something new? I have a short story collection that's already finished and is um, probably going to be released in 2022, so sometime next year. And then I'm just uh, on very early um, work in a new novel. Where can readers find you online if they want to know more about you and keep up with your work? Probably the best place would be my website, which is www.patriciaengel.com. And then, of course, um, on Instagram or Twitter.
Well, Patricia Engel, thanks so much for coming on to talk about your work. Thank you, Marva. It's been a pleasure. You can find out how to win a free copy of Infinite Country on our website, readmorepodcast.com. And if you like the show, please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also support Patricia and the show through buying the book on our site. Please follow us on Twitter at Read More Podcast and like us on Facebook. Join us again next time for another edition of the show that brings readers and writers together. Until then, I'm Marva Hinton reminding you to read more.